Hello and welcome to the second instalment of World Cup Wizards. Joining me this time is Ben Rowley. How are you doing, Ben? Not bad, Dave. Not bad. It's been a good. Uh, it's been a good last few days for the World Cup. Why well, I haven't been watching, mate? What's what's going on? No, um, I I've heard it's only been a rumor, but I've heard it's coming home. Oh, football! Yeah, fo- yeah, I think football's so, yeah. coming home. That's oh. what they're saying. Oh, crikey! Yeah, so coming home to England. Maybe I mean, there's four countries it could be, but everyone's saying it's England. So, yeah, that that would be good, Ben, wouldn't it? It Just, would be. Oh, oh my days! Uh, I don't know where you watched the game last night, but I was in um, Fleetwood for some reason with Blackpool Stokey. Outdoor, fun area, big screen, all that business. I'm horrifically sunburnt this morning. I'm slightly hungover <laughs> still. But, oh my life, England are in the semi-finals of the World I, Cup. I know, I, I know. It, it, it's unbelievable, really, considering what I thought of the team going into it. You know, I didn't think we'd ever get quite this far. And then, yeah, it's been, it's been absolutely brilliant to watch, yeah. And it's... Not only England doing well, I've got the sense that this World Cup is possibly the best of my lifetime. I know there's the semis and the final to go and they can influence how you perceive a World Cup. But like, even the crap games have so much drama in them and there's been some brilliant games. There's been so many kind of upsets and things like that. And I'm just giddy at the World Cup, which makes like doing a Stoke podcast or a kind of Stoke-related podcast kind of... At the back of my mind, I haven't had much time to process what's been going on at Stoke, all the transfers and stuff, but it's I'm just getting properly swept away now and I'm just so pleased that England, even if they go out on Wednesday night, have, have just done so well. Yeah, I mean, it. we've got a small emotional like attachment, I suppose, that we have some players in it. Mm. Um, but yeah, it's been very hard to concentrate on anything in Stoke City when... The World Cup's been on like every day. I've watched, I'd say, ninety nine percent of the games or something like that. It's been, it's been absolutely, you know, amazing to watch. Every game's had something in it. You know, there's well, I come in nil nils to the bean. I think you get track of how long there was until it was a nil nil. Was it twenty odd games? Yeah, bloody France, Denmark screwed everyone. Oh, ruined it, didn't they? But uh, yeah, it's been absolutely brilliant. And like you say, one of the best World Cups in my lifetime. No, no, that's not saying. Quite so much as I'm only 22, but uh, but there you go. It's a start, anyway. What what is going on with England? Because I'm I believe it's solely down down to Jack Butland's influence. Because mm. there's no way Jordan Pickford's that good. No, Jack Butland must be helping him out with something. Because Jesus Christ, like remember when our goalkeeper was Joe Hart? Yeah, like. What what's going on? <laughs> Jordan Pickford's Gordon Banks, Jordan Henderson's bloody some Javi figure. Oh, I'm, just, I'm Harry Maguire. Like oh, what? I know. Oh man, and the the kind of uh, to bring it back to Stoke, the the palate cleanser this tournament has been after the shit show of last season, and not only. Am I feeling positive about England? I'm starting to feel more positive about Stoke, and I just there's something that has to go wrong. 
Yeah. Stoke are going to get relegated again. England are going to lose eight oh. nil in the semi final. Something no, bad surely, is going to happen. Surely not on that scale. But uh, I suppose you never know. We know England and we know Stoke, so we know yeah. anything can happen. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but uh, one of the things you mentioned just then about the enjoyment of the World Cup is, for the time being at least, we've got some Stoke players at this tournament and. Uh, he went out in the group stages, but what a promising few games for Peter Atebo. I'm not going to attempt his uh, his full name, but no man alive, <laughs> he's he's been fantastic in a Nigeria team that was poor on the whole. I would say he dragged his country to you know nearly qualifying for the knockout mm. stages and. You know, they got some good players in Nigeria and only a few of them, I would say, turned up properly. He was absolutely one of them. And for us to get him, one, to drag him down into the second tier of English football and two, for such a small amount of money, is phenomenal. You know, you'd say post-World Cup, he'd be he'd be in a Premier League team and he'd cost about £20 million. You know, it's been fantastic work by our transfer team. They had a lot of stick last season particularly for... The work they did, but yeah, they can they can hold their heads high with this one. Atebo is fantastic. I know you've been keeping account of how many times Stoke City get mentioned at the World Cup, and <laughs> I think I think the commentators saying how well Stoke have done to get Atebo has has accounted for probably at least half of those mm. because uh, he first game he was up against uh, Modric and Rakitic, and I thought like, oh here we go, like Modric and Rakitic are going to have a really stormy game, Matebo's going to struggle, and then everyone's going to be like, oh he's no good is he, what a what a waste of money, <laughs> And they, they, but they, he came away from that game even though they lost with a lot of credit, he played really well against Iceland when they won, and he was exceptional in the game they ended up losing right at the death to Argentina, which was a real sickener, but he was just doing everything, he looks so much like the player we've needed for the last two seasons in the centre of the park. Mm. He looks almost complete. I would say possibly the the defensive side of his game may need some work, but that's very hard, like hard and harsh to say after three games at a World Cup against some fantastic teams. Uh, but attacking-wise, he seems made for the role that we need in the Championship, someone to give us a bit of impetus, which we didn't have last season. You know... He can he the amount of plays he beat, the amount of dribbles he went on, and the good aggressive passing he was doing was really refreshing to see. And if he can bring that to Stoke, well, I mean, it'll just be a complete turnaround from what we've seen last season. I'm getting a slight imbuler vibe from him in that he does those kind of surging runs forward that we kind of really wanted to see more off from Imbula and sometimes he'd perform it and, and they'd be great but he do, he's also got I think uh, he's he seems to be all over the park a lot more than Imbula was or is and he's kind of got a bit of Joe Allen about him as well so it'll be interesting to see how well he partners up with Joe Allen and like what the midfield's going to look like is he going to play Bojan in front of those two because that is already getting me pretty excited for the club oh god it's that perfect blend in midfield you would say that well I mean like you say he's that Imbula player that missing piece of the puzzle that our midfield needed and 
sort of similar to Mbulu. If he's going to be trying these darting runs and risky balls, we've got to give him a bit of patience. You know, he may well hit the ground running and there'll be no complaints and it'll be the best thing since sliced bread. But he might come in in his first six games are difficult because the Championship is a difficult league with more physical players than perhaps you come up against in the World Cup. So he might need a bit of time to settle, but he looks very promising. But I think we need to give him time. Absolutely. And uh, on the other Stoke players at the World Cup, then it was obviously disappointment for our two Senegalese players, Badu and Dai and Mam Juf, who I don't think they disgraced themselves at all. And uh, Senegal actually were probably quite unlucky to go out how they did. Mm. Uh, but uh, what's what do you reckon to Badu and Dai then? Do you suspect he's probably off because the signing of a Tebo and Joe Allen's new contract uh kind of indicate that they may be our first two uh, first choice midfielders for the coming season I think the club definitely expects him to go at the start of the season but then I'm sure they also expected Joe Allen to go at the start of the season as well Uh, bringing in a table was necessary whether players left or not I feel because at least one of the midfielders is going to leave between now and the end of the transfer window just depends on the quality of the play that leaves. We might be left with a really stacked midfield at the end of it. And similar to a lot of Stoke players, if Ndai doesn't get a really good move, then why would he leave? You know, he's in a team which, okay, we are in a second tier and is being rebuilt currently. But at the moment, I'd say we've got the best chance of being in the Premier League next season than a lot of teams in the Premier League who are in an equally tough league and may look to get relegated next season. So his future may be brighter long-term by taking that mm. that season in the lower tier. I don't know. It's hard, really, because maybe the money will take him somewhere else. Galatasaray, obviously, have come calling. I don't know. I really don't know. It's, it's going to be a long month, I feel. But, uh, yeah, I think everybody, including the club, expects him to leave, and it's very weird how he's not left yet. Yeah, and one of the other players pretty much nailed on to leave, of course, is Jordan Shakiri, who mm. I think, uh, like Tabo in the group stages, had a had a terrific few games. Obviously, a disappointing exit to Sweden in the second round, but against Serbia in particular, you know, the very emotionally charged game for him, and scored a dramatic late winner. And I I have no real connection to Switzerland. I've got no particular love for the country of the football team but when Shaq burst through on goal I was just willing him to score oh, so much because he he, he, would, he was playing tremendously in that game and he was he he'd, was. he'd had a shot that would have been an absolute screamer just hit the post and uh, yeah and this is kind of the last of Jordan Shakiri we will see as a Stoke player and it is it's sad because we know he is going and you probably be going to Liverpool interesting to see how that works out but it's also just a kind of reminder how big a club we were and indeed are in mm. that Stoke that's still Jordan Shakiri of Stoke City scoring that dramatic goal at a World Cup doing the Albanian eagle and you know getting the nation of Serbia entirely uh, ready to kill him but uh, I'm also pleased he wasn't banned uh, for the second round. No, given his, oh, uh, that would have given been, that, yeah, that would have been awful, really, if he'd have been banned for that. I mean, I mean, people say 
to leave politics out of football, I don't know where to stand with all of this. But yeah, it was a soft gesture, really, to have been banned for. I think there's been worse going on. <laughs> it is it is a bit naughty, but given the context of his and Granite Xhaka's history, their personal history is for one thing, it's entirely understandable and they'd have set a dangerous, dangerous precedent if they'd have uh, banned those two for those celebrations. And I also like, like the fact that there was a Switzerland player who just joined in doing it, not really knowing, knowing what it was. <laughs> well, I mean, he's got to do something, hasn't he? The, the, uh, the country hasn't had much to shout about in football in terms, so it's just nice that, you know... To, to think that our player was possibly one of the most talked about athletes in the world for that day. You know, he was bound yeah. to jump in for that, you know, little photograph of glory at the end of the day. So, yeah, I'm pleased. I'm I'm, I'm really pleased for Shakiri on his move to Liverpool, by the way. At like, I'm not saying he particularly deserves it, but I think to have another shot at a really big team, one that's mm. got some really exciting wingers already... Um is really good for him and I think he's learned over the last couple of years perhaps has done more of the defensive side of the last three years than he may have done in previous seasons I know he still gets Absolutely. plenty of stick from that you know we've heard lots of the World Cup people being disappointed with him um, but I, I think he's got potential to be especially when Mohamed Salah leaves to start off Liverpool in the next couple of seasons hmm. uh, I'm particularly amused to hear Gary Neville brand him a disgrace <sighs> uh, I think prior to that survey game uh, Jordan Shakiri, who led the way for chances created, assists, goals, and pretty much every <laughs> everything other. else. Yeah, he probably led the way in height for some reason. He managed to accidentally win that particular category somehow, <laughs> because he was just. Oh. And I know his comments to the magazine weren't the most professional, but no. he, he was right in them. He, he was carrying us. He, he mm. did deserve. Uh, he did deserve better and it does pain me as a Stoke fan to say that and I totally get people's criticisms of him Yeah, but you see the crap Pedge comes out with and it's oh, like I yeah know. no wonder he wants to piss off like, he, you know I I know he didn't chase that ball down against Newcastle but he scored bloody wonder goals for us to try and keep us in the league and yeah he, he he's the last of the well, he may, he may not be the last of those uh, quote-unquote Stoke Alona players if Bojan stays around, which, oh God, that would be so exciting. Oh, it would be, yeah. I'm I'm drooling at the thought of Bojan in a in a Stoke team next season getting 138 points. Oh, <laughs> don't make me think about it too hard. Um, of course, the uh, one player that is sticking around is Moritz Bauer. Another yes. one of our key players who's signed a new contract. And wow, he's too good. He's too good for this league. Oh, What's going on? But then how many players could we say that about for Stoke at the moment? Like We expected a lot mm. of departures and are still expecting a lot of departures. And it seems like, apart from maybe Shakiri, the only departures that are looking likely to happen are those that we didn't want to stick around Premier League or not. You know, I can't believe that Bowers decided to stick around, to be honest. There was rumours that Inter was sniffing or something like that, whether his agent went out to see him, I don't know. But, yeah, Bauer isn't only a really good player. We saw that when he actually played right back instead of left wing last season. He's a good lad as well. You know, he's intelligent yeah. and he's lovable. And I think, he, you know, he's probably my new favourite player at Stoke. I know that mm. Bojan still 
still knocking around and Munez is gone, but Bauer just resonates just what we need at Stoke. You know, someone, a poster boy almost, you know, someone to be yeah. proud of. And it's a long time since we've had one of those properly, someone to be actually proud of and look up to and want to be in a Stoke shirt for a change. Yeah, it was sad to see Munier to leave. We all knew he was going to go, but still the the final goodbye to, to yeah. Money was just like, oh. But uh, one thing that does really fuel the optimism for next season as well is with Bauer signing the new contract and nobody, I've not seen Martin Zindi linked anywhere else. I've not seen Peters or Shawcross linked anywhere else. If we keep that back four, then we are in a really, really strong position with the midfielders we've got as well. And mm-hmm. the f- potential for Benikafobe to to score some goals, and we've had the the backroom staff. Everyone's really positive about those guys. Obviously, Roy Delap, the pit, the picture, the first picture of him in that Stoke training oh. gear was just like oh, people went here we nuts. Go. People here went we go. absolutely mental on social media. It's brilliant, and I don't know whether this was intentional by the club or not, but. To have such a positive mindset going into a championship season, having just been relegated, considering the mess we left the Premier League with, is wonderful. Like, if if that was intentional, fair play, Stoke City, you've absolutely nailed it. It was a, a kind of theme of the Ricardo Fuller and Liam Lawrence interviews we did that there was a sense of frustration with how I know Fuller and Lawrence were like perhaps sniffing around for jobs at Stoke and there was a sense from their perspective that the club had kind of forgotten them in a way, forgotten those guys with those values that had that had meant such a lot to the club and established us in the Premier League in the first place. And in one sense, I totally get their point. But in the other sense, I was kind of thinking you shouldn't be entitled to a job because, because you're an ex-player, because you know yeah. the club inside out. And it's a, it's a difficult thing to kind of balance. But with the lap, it's not only is he a club legend, not only was he responsible for all those great moments, he's also served his apprenticeship at Derby, if you like. He already knows yeah. Gary Rowett. He seems a really intelligent guy. And the bonus is he's a club legend and he's a really great guy. You know, the amount of stuff he's done for... For the local charities and stuff is yeah exactly is I mean tremendous off the pitch like he's going to be brilliant for you know sort of portraying the club and reminding us of the glory days I suppose of getting promoted and things like that it you know it's really good but like you say he's been out and done it you know he may have started looking for a job like Stoke City but you know he he didn't get it he's worked his way through you know like a lot of players have to he he and a lot of other players that have looked to get jobs at Stoke City will know that. Sometimes you have got to start down at the bottom and he's done that, he's worked his way up and fair play to him that he's come to a club where he'll possibly have an advantage that very, very few people have and that he knows how Stoke work and he knows and he cares. That's the, that's possibly the yeah. big thing as well. He really cares. He's not going to be jumping ship anytime soon to move to a Chelsea, even if he's offered it, you know. He loves his club which is great. Yeah. You've got, he's already a legend, but you know, you can even start to maybe dream of him being Stoke manager one day if he if he stays around, if yeah. he does does everything right off the pitch, then then who knows, you know, how this great connection between him and the club could go on. 
Yeah. Uh, but I suppose that's getting way too far ahead of myself. There was another transfer story uh, that happened that was confirmed uh, just prior to kickoff in England versus Colombia, so it was perhaps easy to miss. But Lee Grant has joined Manchester United. <laughs> what? <laughs> oh my god! I had to read it twice. Well, when I saw it, I wondered whether it was like FC United and Manchester that he was joining. Uh, like I, I couldn't believe my eyes. Although having seen it before you know Mourinho's he's he's brought in old goalkeepers before he brought in Schwarzer at Chelsea and things like that so it's a very Mourinho thing to do but I mean let's not worry about that for Grant it's absolutely brilliant from sitting yeah. on Derby's bench this time two years ago to be in Man United set up now I, I, I bet you can't believe it I bet I'm, you cannot I'm believe really it. pleased for him because uh, he came in at a time when Jack Butland had a real bad long-term injury and he performed well beyond like what oh, any of us expected. Yeah, yeah. He got the Player of the Season award. Okay, I'd have personally given it to Martins Indy that season, but mm. he was just really, really, really brilliant. In, he in, was, he was. There's the saves that he made that... You know, I wouldn't have expected Butland to make. You know, that one against Ibrahimovic probably sticks mm. out the most. And probably that's why Mourinho looked him up and goes, hey, we need that lad in a couple of seasons' time just to keep around in the back room. But, uh, but yeah, for Grant, it, it's unbelievable. And he does deserve it. He probably does after that blinding season he had for us. And to sit patiently last season while Butland sort of sw- swannied his way back in, you know, fair play to Grant, you know, absolutely forgetting a move like this. That's possibly the last player from Stoke I expected to move away, considering yeah. the whole uncertainty about the uh, the goalkeeping situation, but yeah, excellent. And then for us to get our money back as well, you know, for a player that, you know, we really wanted to have around at the time and possibly mm. we don't need so much anymore, you know, and we brought in a decent replacement as well. Yeah, Adam Federici, 16 caps, the Australian national team, 33 years old, so like Grant, he's a experienced pro, been been at a few clubs. But what do we kind of see happening with the goalkeeping situation? Because Lee Grant was number two, and you, you imagine that Federici's come in to be a number two as well. So mm. do we dare to dream about Jack Butland staying? Or <sighs> Because first-choice goalkeepers, I think for a, a club in our situation just gone down to the championship I can't think of a kind of goalkeeper I can't think of a particular name that would stand out to me and be like oh yeah he's a great first choice for a newly relegated club because mm. they, they can be really hard to get hold of so I don't know what the situation is going to be there but Butland staying question I, I don't think either party knows what's going to happen here I don't know if Butland knows or if the club know you know this is something that's going to have to be thrashed out when England and football finally comes home, you know, like it's that will increase his value even from the bench. It will, surely it would. Uh, But I think you know, talking about the World Cup, it's probably one of the reasons why Butland is talking about staying. I think if Butland was number one for England, it's currently Pickford who plays for Everton. I don't think it'd be the best PR move for someone like Liverpool or Arsenal or Chelsea. Even though Butland's a fantastic goalkeeper and we know it, to sign England's number two when Everton have their number one, it doesn't make mm. much sense for them. Uh, and I also think if Butland had stayed in the Premier League, obviously that would have helped his cause. If he'd have asked to leave, that would have helped his cause, I'm sure. If there's a few 
goalkeeper deals that had fallen through. This Allison from Roma hasn't moved on yet. Um, I can see him staying. I really can. For the similar reason of Indai wanting to stay. And the same reason that Joe Allen signed a new deal. And why Bowers decides to stay. And why everybody's excited. Because at the moment it is an exciting place to be. And in 2019-20 people are predicting that we're going to be in the Premier League again. So why wouldn't Butland stay in a way? Although you can completely understand if he goes to a big team. It's... Yeah, it's almost too exciting for words, really, because you you don't get your hopes up that mm. he might. But there, there's a lot of evidence to suggest possibly he could, because, like you said, the the big clubs might want a perhaps bigger name or a more glamorous figure than England's number two. Mm. So if if he stays, then you know, just give us the title now, I suppose. But oh. uh, we, the, uh, I suppose the, the squad isn't really complete yet and I know there's been several... Well, there don't seem to be many new names cropping up. I've been trying to avoid like the speculation side of transfers and only focus on the, the deals that have been done because I want to enjoy the World Cup without you know worrying what level of... what stage the Matt Ritchie deal is at. Oh, but God, yeah. I, I, and like the whole James McLean thing is a. Oh, that's been dump- going on for far too long. Let, yeah. Let. <laughs> and that's a dumpster fire waiting to happen if and when yeah. it does. But I guess my main question is where do we need signings the most? What area of the pitch do we need them in? <sighs> I mean. It's a huge question, isn't it? You would imagine, based on squad depth, the wing, because if Shakiri's leaving, and we don't know if Chupamoting's staying, Ramadan's already left. We were threadbare as it was, really, last season in the Premier League for wingers, so probably the wing. Yeah. Um, everywhere else, in terms of numbers, quality aside, you know, we're pretty stacked, really, um, if everybody stays. But... Again, a bigger question to... Well, there's two big things, really. One is whether players leave or ask to leave or get offers to leave, and then we're going to have to make deals accordingly, surely. Um, and then, of course, what system we're going to play. I mean, whether Rowett knows or he's going to use preseason as a vehicle to find out what system we're using. Um, that could change everything. If we go for his two-striker formation, you'd argue we possibly need another one of those as well. Um, and I think that's why we've been linked with all sorts of players. You know, Dwight Gale and Andre Gray are probably players that right now we don't really require in a way, but we've been linked with them. So, yeah, I'll be interested to see what formation we go in for the first couple of games of preseason, and then once we've figured out that, probably we'll know a little bit better what players we need. In terms of what players I want, I'd probably like, like, Ella, like we were saying, a new winger, at least one, uh, but we've been linked with loads. Matt Ritchie, McLean, this Canyos as well. Um, yeah, there's been a few. Um, apart from that, we're pretty well stacked, to be honest. I'm surprised that more players haven't left already, and I think it, if they do, that's when we really need to start progressing. Yeah, if it feels like uh, it's been quiet for the last two, maybe three weeks, and it could all really just bring into life, like maybe after the World Cup ends or mm. whatever. Is the deadline before the start of the season now or is that next season? 
It is. For for permanent transfers, I think the deadline is before the start of the season now. Okay. But for the championship clubs, apparently there's the loan window that continues. And if there's deals which are similar to what a phobe is, which is a loan for an obligation to buy, which is, you know, let's make it clear, completely different to a option to buy, mm. you know, perhaps there could be deals that are done sort of on the slide after the transfer window. I don't know what the rules are surrounding that, really. Um, but, yeah, if we're talking about the permanent transfer season, then we've got about a month left. Yeah, and part of the reason I'm avoiding transfer speculation as well is because some of the names aren't almost too exciting. It's like what we were <laughs> saying before about England. It, things are going too well. It's something... Yeah. We we're gonna just abandon Richie and Gale and whoever else and get and get James McLean or just someone equally underwhelming, mm. I suppose. Yeah. Preseason friendly start next week. I'm I'm not ready. I'm I'm still not ready. No, it's... I'm completely not ready. It's caught me completely off guard. I'll be honest. I'm not even completely sure when they are. I know we've got Wolves and I know we're heading to Germany, but. Yeah, the World Cup has completely transported me to another world of international football where Stoke City doesn't exist. It, unless unless they're mentioned. Unless they're mentioned in the World Cup and it's a reminder that it's worth tweeting about because yeah. Stoke have been mentioned on the biggest stage in world football, but there you go. Stoke flag behind the goal for uh, Delhi Alli <laughs> second at the quarterfinals. So like, yes, oh, absolutely that's, that's a goal brilliant. for us. That's brilliant representation, that is. Yeah, absolutely brilliant. Yeah. Shout out to that Stoke fan. Uh, so yeah, the, the pre-season friendlies start on July 14th, so next Saturday we're away at Warsaw. Uh, then we go to Germany on July 18th, we're playing Bochum, SV Meppen and Hamburg. July 25th we have that really bizarre home friendly against Wolves, which <laughs> it says here is a 7.45 kickoff as well, which is a bit confusing. Um, mm, I guess they've done it because out of the ones there, it's the one where Stoke fans are possibly going to want to go to because it's mm. possibly one of the biggest fixtures on there and it's like playing in the Premier League again, however much of an insult that may or may not be. <laughs> uh, but, I mean, yeah, it's exciting. It's it's at night time, obviously. Well, I mean, it won't be under the lights because it's still bright outside, but... Mm. Uh, but yeah, I'm I'm quite excited for the Wolves game. It'll be like being in the Premier League again, just for a brief <laughs> a brief crisp moment, and then the harsh reality of playing some of the teams that we're gonna have to play next season. But I mean, that's a different challenge in itself. But then three days after that, we're back in Germany again for FC St. Pauli away in the uh, now annual preseason fixture between yeah. the two sides. I know a lot of uh, fans really enjoyed it last time, and yeah, I I'd, I loved I'd it love last to go, season. But... I don't think I'll be able to. No. Uh, one day, one day, we'll yeah. all uh, have a free beer on Coatsy. And Dio, you oh. went last season, didn't you? I did, yeah. Um, it was an absolutely unbelievable experience, you know. Considering it was a friendly, it's got to be up there with one of my favourite Stoke games. You know, the fact that, you know, the boardroom came down and said hello, they offered us free beer. The stadium and the people were magnificent. Hamburg is a fantastic city. Um the football game itself was almost a, a bit of a sideshow, really. Like, yeah. even if you're not a football fan, you know, don't be scared of, like, I don't know, sort of bringing along your wives and girlfriends or something, because it's a really, really good f- fixture 
to go to. It it was at, it was like a holiday. It was brilliant. Yeah, I loved it. Yeah, I'd been to a bizarrely a St. Pauli friendly earlier in that summer, <laughs> yeah. and then found out oh, Stoke got to play friendly. Oh, <laughs> yeah, but yeah, I, it, fantastic stadium, fantastic club. Really, I'd recommend uh, episode three of the Who Are You podcast if you want to learn more about FC St. Pauli. There we go, got my plug in, <laughs> nicely done. Finally, then looking ahead to the season as a whole. Uh, another thing that's happened well with being away is the fixtures have been released, broken Woo! by Wizards of Dribble on Twitter because the club <laughs> accidentally put them on the website before the uh, official announcement of the fixtures at 10 o'clock or whatever it was supposed to be. But yeah, we know our first opponents now. And because Sky are just so, you know, in the in the palm of the hand of the big teams, Sky will just do anything for the big teams. So yeah, naturally they've put us on telly for two out of our three opening fixtures because you know we're the big boys now this is another weird concept for me like even when we got promoted we weren't one of the biggest sides in the league and now we're going down into a league where you can argue we are the biggest club in it in terms of playing stuff in terms of resources yeah it's it's amazing really you know i don't know if you've seen the odds but we're, we're we're almost odds on to be champions it's ridiculous like this isn't Stoke. This, this is, is this is a new Stoke City. Like, mm. like I said before, I, I don't know what we've done to the place. We've had a makeover. It's it's. Oh. I'm I'm trying not to get used to it because I know that if we get promoted next season, it's going to be back to whole Premier League forty points slark. Or if we don't get promoted this season, then we might, might have well to prepare out, for yeah. nine, ten years down there. Oh, so. God. Yeah, um, so enjoy this season while you can. <laughs> that's that's a good message. Just enjoy it while you can because it yeah. could all go horribly wrong. I, actually, thinking about it, for all those fans, because there was a debate going around at the start of last season whether you would prefer to go down knowing that you'll come back up again the following season if you had that choice or if you had the choice of mid-table mediocrity for another season. You had the choice of those two. For the people who pick the former to go down and come back up again, this is for you. This is yeah. absolutely for you. And whatever happens here, let's find out and let's see if you were right to be banking on this. I'm interested to see whether I'll be happier lifting the championship trophy next season than I was with scraping 40 points in the Premier League. Um, yeah, it's going to be a really interesting season, however it goes. And a lot of positivity as well about the the opening few fixtures Away at Leeds, uh, Leeds holds a personal place in my heart as a city. It's one of my favourite places, and I'm gonna do my best to get tickets because this is a another like issue with the uh, going down to the Championship is that with all these new or grounds we haven't been to in a while opening up, that I think the competition for away tickets could be really fierce. And mm. even as a season ticket holder, I, I feel like I might struggle, but I'll, yeah. I'll probably do my best to see if I can get. Uh, tickets to Leeds anyway. Leeds is going to be a it's going to be a funny game because they could be really good or they could be really terrible with uh, Marcelo Biel- Bielsa oh, yeah. in charge. One of the um, like one of the most kind of one of the biggest names in European coaching, Marcelo Bielsa, but also kind of one of the most kind of oddball maverick sort of figures. He he could just as easily win them the title as you know quit halfway through <laughs> his first game in charge. He's, uh, yeah. He's, He's a bit of a character. 
but yeah, I think we will definitely sell out Leeds away no matter what. Oh we're yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and I think that'll be a common theme for the whole of next season, considering that a combination of most of the games are now northern, yeah. and the fact that mo- well, we've got every game's got sort of this free travel going on again, and if you nip it, even if you don't want to do that, there's the train. Yeah, it's going to be rammed every single game, especially if we're winning as well. Yeah, if we do turn yeah. out to be winning, people are going to love it. That that's the only thing that um, makes me uh, doubt our away support is if we if we really struggle early doors, maybe tickets will become available for some of those games <laughs> in October, November, December. But yeah, after Leeds, it's Brentford at home, uh, which is uh, probably a good opportunity for us to make the home ground of fortress again how full that ground will be time will yeah. tell but indications are season tickets have sold pretty well and i think given the whole positivity even though we've gone down i think we could i think people will be surprised just how well our attendances hold up i think we can we can still pack that ground out maybe oh, not yeah. for maybe not for like midweek against um, rotherham for example <laughs> but Hey, don't diss Rotherham. They got the chuckle with us. So, you know, that's all uh, good. Rotherham will sell out as well. We're going to sell out every game because everyone's going to go and come see us because we're winning every single game because we've got the best team in the league. And And football fever will have swept the country because it's coming home. home. Exactly. What what is happening? Is, is, this, is this heat wave just melting us? Or oh, melting I, our brains. M- maybe this is it. Maybe because all of this fever started, you know, when this heat wave came. Maybe this is all just a dream. Maybe Butland has left and he's gone to Schalke. <laughs> maybe, maybe we got knocked out by Greece, who aren't even at the World Cup, <laughs> or something like that. I don't know. Something weird. I don't know. Maybe I'm, maybe it was all just a dream. I'm perfectly happy living in this dream. <laughs> At Can we stay asleep forever? <laughs> yeah. Uh, then the the third fixture is one that I'm really looking forward to, and I think Ben the the last time we met may have been at Deepdale for it was uh, yeah yeah that's right youth FA Cup run that we went on, uh, but then Stoke now going to Deepdale as a Championship side. Uh, I live now just a short train ride right away from Preston and. Apparently, we've got a 5,200 allocation, which is just... I can't remember the last time we had that many seats at any game. Possibly Blackburn in the Cup. Mm. But the the prospect of... Because that that will definitely sell out as well. That's going to be like a home game. Yeah. Like, that's going to be... You know, like you say, we went to Deepdale, and it's not that big a stadium. Like, there's going to be big Stoke noise, especially if we start well in that game. That... Venue is going to be absolutely rocking. Yeah, so that is also on telly as well. So might deter some people from going, but I've got no doubts about that selling out as well. And those first two away games, Leeds and Preston, you know, grounds we haven't been to in a while, big clubs in kind of history, it kind of makes you feel like it's a proper championship game. Leeds against Stoke, Preston against Stoke, they, they feel like they feel like proper football in a sense yeah. I, I hate using that phrase because it implies like the championship is like realer than the Premier yeah. but you, you know what I mean it's it's like you are muck, right muck you and are. Stuff. yeah in a way you are right I mean perhaps this is a bit more down to earth because we're not under the media's eye 24-7 probably now 
Yeah. And there's clubs down there that have been down there for a long time. It'll... Yeah, next season I think it's going to be really interesting. Like I say, no matter which way it goes, next season's going to be, for me, a learning curve. I can't say I follow the championship, you know, at, at most points in my life, this is going to be, you know, a chance for me to learn about 23, well, maybe not West Brom and Swansea, but 21 new teams to me, in yeah. a way. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, like, I like to think I'm knowledgeable about football but then you look through like certain championship squads and think who the hell are these guys you know and yeah. is, uh, that's possibly just due to the the media bubble that's around the Premier League so much that it's really hard to kind of look elsewhere too much even if you have got a, an interest in, in championship football it, it can be hard to keep up because there's a massive rotation in playing staff and management that seems to go on all the time but uh, yeah, it is just every, everything about this episode has been really positive, and people are going to wonder what the hell has the, happened. The, to this the is not this is not the Wizards of Drivel podcast. No. You know, this is a new podcast. You know, welcome. Yeah, <laughs> this is the Wizards of Delight. Uh, so that is possibly a promising point at which to end this particular podcast. Thank you very much, Ben, for joining me. You're welcome. Thank you very much for having me again. It's coming home. It's coming home. Go on, England. Ah, cheers, mate.